we, uh, I, was, um, in, I was going through to get me something to drink at a place, and the parking lot was flooded where it was at. And I said, boy, doesn't it look good, nice to have a flooded parking lot here? And the guy said, it sure is. <laughs> Amen. I heard you all haven't had rain in six months, and uh, the Lord is good, and he's faithful. Praise the Lord. So, But anyway... Good to see Pastor Orville, Pastor Sherry, and uh, we had a good time of fellowship last night. And and uh, oh, I thought Pastor Jared went to take a nap, but he's back there. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When you start working 24 hours a day, brother, you'll be full time. Amen. No, I'm just teasing with you. One one person said, "Why are you sleeping? You can sleep when you get to heaven." I said, "Well, I just don't want to go to heaven early to sleep." Amen. So, but praise the Lord. It's honored to be here, and uh, I'm excited. Um, I kind of preach fast, so if you've not heard me before, you have to listen fast, amen? Get the tape or whatever it is and slow it down, you'll hear a little bit. I'm just one of these, somebody told me, they said, you preach like a trash compactor. I said, what do you mean? They said, you just punch everything together. I said, well, it's us all together, amen? Yes. So, but praise the Lord. Well, if you got your Bibles this morning, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to read the first eight verses, and then we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and read the first four verses. You know, I, I, I want to minister a message. Um, you know, I go to a lot of different churches and denominations and a lot of different things, but one thing I won't compromise is the quality or the integrity of the Word of God. I'm going to rightly divide it, preach it, but I've learned that some people, you know, they kind of say, well, I don't really go with this, you know, so you don't really try to push your, quote, agenda or your sermon on them to prove something. But you preach it in a way. How many knows, you know, if you had a parade down here in Sealing and the Christmas parade went through it, you put somebody on each street corner on the main intersection and give them a piece of paper and a pen and let them write down what they saw. How many knows you probably have four different perspectives or views of the same parade? See, I, I run into people who say, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John contradict themselves. I said, no, they don't. They just confirm each other of what, what was seen by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Right. I said, they were eyewitnesses to the same account at the same day by the same person I said they didn't contradict it you just seen it from a different angle or a different perspective and uh, some people like to read the gospel of John some like Matthew some like Luke and some like you know the other different ones even Paul had Galatians Ephesians Philippians and Colossians and sometimes we think well what does he mean over here and one person even asked me why why did they have write two letters to the Corinthians did they have a church split I said no <laughs> I said the main reason he wrote 2 Corinthians was it was summed up in a lot in one phrase where it says, I've come really not to uh, tell you anything you haven't heard from me in the, before, but I've just come to remind you since these things have may escaped you or just to remind you to do what you already know to do. And I think this morning what I'm trying to do is just get you to where you just need to be reminded of what you already know to do. I know you've been taught well. And maybe I'm just going to tell you something you've heard before from a different street corner of the intersection of the right. same parade. Amen. You, so um, I want to talk about this morning about staying on course to finish your course. Staying on course to finish your course. How many knows in order to finish your course, you've got to stay on the course? Amen. Right. Right. You know, I, when I was in college, I, uh, uh, I wasn't a runner. I just wanted to challenge myself to see if I could do a 5,000 meter, which is like 3.1, and a 10,000 meter race, which is like 6.2. I got a nephew eight months younger than me. I've, over the last 14 months, been running and walking and lifting weights and lost 50-some pounds and about seven inches on my waist and started building some muscle and stuff. And I thought I was doing really good because I think I'm going to hit my goal. In one year, I'm going to do 4,000,000 and 17,000 steps, which is 11,000 a day. 
it's almost five miles a day. So I called my nephew and was talking to him about that. And he goes, oh, I've been doing that for 30-some years now. I do about seven miles every day. <laughs> and he has bone on bone with braces on his knees. Wow. I said, well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind running to 5,000. He said, I've already done about 53 of them. Wow. Now, so what I'm trying to say is this. When I'm on the treadmill in the gym, you know, there's times I would look over to motivate myself, and I literally would psych myself out because I would say, I don't want to do 20 minutes today or 30 minutes today. So how many knows when you're, you have a big steak, you're thinking, well, I just eat one little bite, and you cut another little bite. First thing you know, half of it's gone. I remember one time I got on a treadmill next to a lady. She's probably about 75, and she was at two-point-something speed, and I thought, well, I could do 4.2 or 4.5. So I said, I'm going to just keep looking over at her. I'm going to catch her. I just saw just kept doing it. I got right up where she was at, and I was done. Do you know when I was walking off, she was still just going at her pace? And the Lord began to minister me. He says, don't run other people's races. He said, run your race. He said, you're going to get distracted and forget what you're doing and what you're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. So when I was noticing that, now how many knows... You remember those old transparencies we used to have when we put something? I remember in children's church when I did that for about 18 months and, or youth group, I forget. Uh, no, it was children's church. Um, we have a transparency. We put a transparency on the top of one and the top of one, the top of one, the top of one. And every one we added added a new dimension to the picture. The horizon, the sun, the tree, the bird, the clouds, everything started forming because everything had new perspective. Well, I started finding out God's got 8.8 .8 billion transparencies upon the earth and they're called people. And what he does is he's a master strategist and he overlaps you with people's lives as he overlaps them into your life. So the key is if you got to stay on course because God's bringing people into your life as he's bringing them into your life. God is a master strategist and we've got to allow God to do what he says. The key thing to do is this. The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our what? Path. And if you're going to resolve any situation, one thing, I, I went to three Bible schools, and one thing I like about Brother Hagin was this. You know, the guy, the, the man probably forgot more than most of us knew as students. Amen? Right. Right. But he says, listen, the moment I get off the Word of God, you quit listening to me. He said, always go to what the Word says. Always go to the Word. That's what I liked about Brother Hagin. Didn't give you his opinion. He could tell you some stories, tell you some life experience. But he says, but what does the Word say? And that stuck with me. He said, what does the Word say? Because everything that you need in life is in the Word of God. The Word of God is truth, but everything else is a fact or a fiction. Yes. When they told me I had two different uh, diseases that probably should have killed me, I didn't deny it. I denied the right to stay there. But I wasn't going to get distracted. How many knows there's a lot of attractions and distractions in the world? There's bad news. There's good news. There's things that you go, oh, I think that's going to make me feel good. And a lot of people will be doing something for God, and all of a sudden they'll quit doing it. They say, why? Well, I just felt like the burden released. I, I, I feel like God released me from it. No, what, you, what people mainly do is this. When God calls you to do something, he f makes sure that you finish it. When he starts a good work in you, he'll finish it. Why? Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes. Amen? Amen? And when you go through those tough times, you're going to need something besides faith. In Hebrews, it says, through faith and patience, we shall inherit the promises of God. Well, what's, what's patience? Well, there's different aspects of that. There's forbearance, continuation, or continual. They use the actual word. Uh, uh, long-suffering. Think about that. Fourth fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. We think that just means living with something. Well, why should we live with something that Christ died to, and why should we go somewhere that he went? Right. Right. 
Come on. He was a perfect substitute. That's why he knows your future better than you know your past. That's why Proverbs says, trust in him with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You know, not too long ago, the Lord spoke to me and said this. I never heard this before, but he said, my people or my children are living off the reaction instead of the action. And I've never heard that before. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they're trying to receive something they're not asking. They're trying to find something they're not seeking after. And they're trying to have doors open that they've never knocked on. Wow. That's the reaction. The action is ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. You know what the number one way to resist the devil? The Bible says in the scriptures, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. That's the reaction. What's the action right before that? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. See, a lot of times we're so conscious about giving place to the devil that we forget to give place to the Holy Spirit. You overcome evil by doing good. Light exposes darkness. That's why it's so important to stay in the truth. Stay in love. Walk into things. Put your hand to the plow. Press unto the Jesus pressing for the, high, uh, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because that word becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light in your path. Even Proverbs says the light of the just shineth more and more into that perfect day, but the path of the wicked is as darkness and they stumble at what they don't know. You know, one thing the Lord showed me uh, years ago about deception was this. He says when you're deceived, you don't know it, and if you don't think you can be, you already are. <laughs> it's never, it's, you never know when you're deceived. It's always after the fact. That's why he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, comma, deceiving your own selves. You know, real estate has a a, a phrase, analysis brings paralysis. You can sit back and analyze something long enough to where you end up doing nothing. The Bible says, "Don't, don't, don't give me your opinion. Basically, God's saying, I don't need your opinion. I need your obedience. See, a lot of people are willing, but they're not obedient. I mean, they're obedient, but they're not willing. Obedience is an act of conduct. Willingness is an act of submission of the heart. All things work together for good yes. to them that what? Love. love God. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my word and called according to my purpose. Right. So I found out that when I go to God's house and take care of his business, he's back at my house taking care of my business. Oh, yes, he is. Right. Yes. Come on. Yes. See, an action produces a reaction. And when I'm obeying God and running these races like I did when I was in college, you know, I wasn't a really good racer or anything like that. I wasn't trained. I just did a bunch of stairs and just kind of ran. I never ran over. I never ran the distance of the race I ran it on the race day. I just was too lazy. I was in pretty good shape, but I thought, that's too far to run. But I'm going to go ahead and join the race because I would be too embarrassed to quit. I pushed myself. Amen. So I remember on that one race, it was kind of long and, you know, six miles or whatever, three miles. And, 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 you know, I'm just running along, just having fun. And I didn't care if people laughed at me or did whatever. It didn't matter to me. See, there's a big difference between a spectator and a participator. Did you know that? Yes, there is. That's true. Yes. Now, when you're a participator, then, you know, like me, I, I knew I was going to get a free shirt at the end of the day. Because yeah. I had qualified and filled out the form, did the submission, and did all this, and applied myself to their application and I, whatever was fees or whatever I did do you know if I if I fell I had a medical attention free why because I was a participant right. but I remember I would start running and I start running real fast people are like my lord why are you running so fast you got a long way I wasn't running to look at the finish line how many knows the finish line is too far away to see it where you're at right now right. Right. 
Amen. Yes. See, a lot of people think Paul said, I pressed towards the prize. He didn't. He said, I pressed towards the mark. Because marks always get you to the place where you're going to end up. Right. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God's given us a future and a hope. Or an, uh, one amplifier says, good success in our final outcome. The King James says, expect it in. Right. Amen. Well, I knew I hadn't expected it in, but I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just running because there was free Gatorade up there, and it was mine. I could have all I wanted. And then I would slow down again. I sit again. I run real quick. I wasn't really pacing myself. I was just enjoying the journey. I think a lot of us need to get that joy back. You know what the Lord told me one day? I was sitting there and I said, Lord, I'm not interested in doing this or this part of the Bible. I, I was just being honest because I have a relationship with him. He already knows. I still remember it. With that was, It was firm, but it was with loving words. He says, you're selfish. He said, what I'm trying to get to you and through you is not always for you, Todd. It's usually for the people around you. He said, I want to do something in your life to where it becomes a ripple effect all the way out. To where it goes so far beyond you that you can't take the credit for it because you know you're not that smart. So when I'm running my race, how many knows there's a lot of people watching? So I don't care what they're saying. You know, my wife and I were with some other minister friends uh, back in 2007. Uh, Evan was only nine months old. And uh, he, uh, a church that I... uh, knew that was in our organization, I trust, you know, trusted them and they had a good reputation. They actually watched our son for five hours so we could go in Oral Roberts' living room and sit there and just talk to him and minister. And he, I mean, he was 80-some years old, still on fire, talking about how he wanted to die with, like an old horse with his saddle on, just go on. He said the healing anointing was on him just as strong as it was in the 50s. He sat there and was reading letters with, to us and different things without no glasses. And the host pastor finally asked him, we were sitting right in his living room, Dr. Roberts, how is it that you still just got the, the zeal to go on? I mean, you, you, you're just as on fire as you ever were. I mean, you've lost your wife recently. One of your children tragically got killed, and you've had all these setbacks and different things, and you've been accused falsely and all these different things. I mean, you've had come in here, had the IRS just basically wipe you out and all this. You all have had to start over when you were late in your years, and one thing after another. Now, he lived in a little condo area, gated. It's two-bedroom, bath and a half. I mean, it was a nice little place. It was dated. I mean, he had a lot of pictures on the wall of a lot of people. Family, ministers, everything. But they said, well, how, what, how, how, how are you still going at this age? I mean, you still got this zeal, this fire. You're still running your race. I'll never forget, he raised his head and said this. He said, the dogs bark, but the train keeps moving. Yeah. How many knows there's a lot of voices out there, folks? Oh, yes. There's a lot of attractions, distractions, there's a lot of voices. But you've got to make the choice that you're not going to be sidetracked. I didn't care what everybody said. As long as I stayed on my course, then I was still qualifying. Do you know I might have been halfway in the back of the pack, but you know if everybody in front of me just fell and collapsed and I ran past them, I would be the winner. But then it dawned on me, I'm not running their race, I'm running my race. Amen? Sorry, I think I knocked this off. I'm running my race. I'm not running anybody else's. But God may bring you into somebody's life for a day, a moment, a year, a lifetime. But the key is, is you keep running your race. Keep your hand to the plow. Don't look back. But the Bible tells us there's going to be a lot of things happening in these times. And one thing that God doesn't want to do is get your opinion. When did God create man? The first, second, third day, fourth, fifth, sixth? Yeah, it was the sixth day. Why? He didn't want your opinion. He didn't want my opinion. Amen? Then what did he do on the seventh day? He rested, amen. 
Think about it. Now, I rent cars. I was just met a friend of mine that travels around the world. We see each other every so many years, I guess. And uh, we were at the car rental place in Oklahoma City today, yesterday. But one thing I like to do with the car rental place, I didn't get to do it because I was talking to him, but they usually say, would you like a GPS with that? They're always trying to upsell you, you know what I'm saying? You get about a $50 rental, first thing you know, it's like 220 <laughs> Did I just make my first payment on this car, you know? <laughs> they said, well, would you like a GPS with that? And I throw them off. I usually say, no, I can get lost by myself. Thank you. <laughs> How many of those all GPSs are not updated? People say, oh, no, they're satellite. I said, no, they're not all updated. People, how do you know that? Well, when you're on a half a mile bridge and it tells you to turn left in 200 feet, you know something's wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, amen? <laughs> the reason I'm telling you all this is this. What's the first word that comes on that, uh, when you hear that, when you miss a turn on that GPS? Recalculating. Do you know it's amazing that when you get born again, you and I have a Spirit of God put inside of us? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, what, know you not that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit and He dwells in you? Yeah. Come on, think about that. Yeah. He is your Holy Ghost GPS. I call it God's positioning system. Yeah. The Bible says He will lead you and to guide you into all truth. Yes. Amen? Yes. Yes. Now, let me say this before we go to James. I just want to lay a little bit more. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've actually preached some other different parts of my sermon. My wife said, um, she said it the best. She says, you got one title in like 30 messages. Because I, I go in and pray that God will custom fit this message for you. Amen. I kind of know where to start. But like the other day, I was in uh, Moorhead, Kentucky, about an hour from where I grew up. I just stood up and just started preaching. 45 minutes, sat down. The guy got up and said he preached everything we preached in Sunday school and the morning service. Well, I just like when God does that. How many knows God needs to interrupt your life? Yes, Amen. Yes. And it means to break into. Yes. But anyway, how many of you all remember when cartoons only came on Saturday mornings? My Lord, Monday through Friday, I'm telling you, my parents would threaten me, do everything. You only got 10 minutes, they're going to miss your ride to school. Wait, what do you mean you haven't even brushed your teeth yet? Come on, your food's getting cold. Get in here. Monday through Friday. But it's amazing, a miraculous event that would take place on Saturday morning. I would get up before anybody else. By myself. Why? Because I didn't want to miss Hong Kong Fui, H.R. Puff and stuff, the monkeys. Come on. Yeah. I didn't want to miss Bullwinkle and Rocky and Adam Ant. I didn't want to miss all these things. Right. My little boy today, he's got the Cartoon Network. He's got it to where he can go on there and just talk into the thing. It comes up. It shows you every episode he's watched over the last few years, which one. It resumes where he's shot sh certain one. And if he ever says, I'm bored, you ask him. He says, I'm bored. I said, come on, I'm going to take you outside and show you my fidget spinner. My dad called it a weed eater, and I'm going to show you how to use it. Amen. <laughs> Are y'all hear what I'm saying? I said I'll teach you how to uh, I'll teach you how to trim grass with your hands instead of a, 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 a trimmer. Come on, I used to trim grass. Come on, man, I was like a little weed eater, a goat almost going right along there. Do it without pulling the roots up. Come on, what does it really mean to clean gutters? Come on, it's amazing how many people don't even know how to mop today. All they do is move dirt around, make it all look neat. There's a way to mop. People don't even know how to use a broom today. Yeah. People say, well, do you think you do? Yeah, I was a maintenance man for five years. I learned fast. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is this. There was a lot of things that we had on and different things. But one thing I found out is this. 
is growing up, we had a lot of different things that a lot of people today that can't relate to, but the Bible connects us with all the different generations because we're running a different race than somebody on the next treadmill next to us. Right and they might be a different age, a different speed, and they might be going a different length, but that doesn't set you back from doing what you're supposed to do at that time. Right. I like when one person says, just bloom where you're planted, Amen. You know, when I was driving, uh, when, I, when I was growing up, and uh, the cartoons kind of reminded me of, uh, leads right into when we had cars. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then. But our cars were so big, it was almost like an entire roaming area. Y'all remember the big cars? The only time you seen the seatbelts is the day you bought the car and so you stuffed them back in the trunk. And the day you sold the cars, somebody got in the trunk and stuffed them back up and you pulled them back out. You didn't bring pillows on trips to sleep on. You brought them to put them in the floor. You could level out the middle axle in the back seat. If you was going to sleep, you don't sleep in the seat. You sleep up in the back window. The only time you're allowed in the front seat is if your dad slams on the car and you flipped over and ended up in the front seat. Am I telling you all the truth? Come on, we didn't have iPads. We had exosketches. There'll be times I sit there for 20, 30 minutes to do stuff. Show, hey, look at this, Mom and Dad. I don't know how in the world he timed it, but he hit a bump right there. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Are y'all, am I telling the truth? Yes, yes, yes. But the one thing I remember, and this goes right with my sermon, is my, we had these connect the dots. You remember that? One to 20. Yes. You remember one to, I mean, one to 100. And if you did it exactly right in front of you and connected every dot and kept them in order, then you could flip to the back of the book and it would show you the picture that you should have drawn and every line that should have been drawn to match what you already did. But there was times I would get in these bunches and stuff and all these numbers would get jammed together and I would get frustrated and impatient. How many knows it's through faith and patience, long-suffering, forbearance, continuation. Come on, all these different things that we got to allow God to help us in those times. Yeah, but I don't understand it. It doesn't matter. He knows your future better than you know your past. He knows you're expected in. You just know the starting point. Now watch this. Then my mom would come over and say, here, let me help you. Listen to the wisdom. I forget the exact words, but listen to the wisdom. Why did they put all those little dots so close together and jam them to where you have to sit there and just match them just perfect? Because it's important for the final outcome of the picture. Then she would get me through it, and then she said, now go ahead. And then I get up there, and I go, Mom, what is it? I said, I see 36. I, don't, I see 38, but I don't see 37. They forgot to put 37 on here. She said, son, you got to look at the whole page. You, you're just in this little area right here that you're familiar with. Look at the whole page. Wouldn't you know what? 37 be way over here to the right. And I said, well, this doesn't make sense. Why do you have to go way over here to 37 and come back to 38? Because it's important for the final outcome of the picture. Right. Well, if there's one thing I want to tell you is this. I'm going to read James 1 and 2 Peter. And the reason I'm reading this is I want you to show you that the devil is going to come and try to get you off course. He's trying to cause you to go to the left or to the right. And you know already inside of you, because the Holy Spirit is in you, that Holy Ghost spiritual GPS is telling you. He said, I will lead you into God, you on all truth. Well, if you miss it, all you have to do is ask the Lord to help you. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. 
and he will direct your path. He will push the reset button. He can restore the years that the locust has eaten and the canker worm. He can do things. People say, well, I don't know how he's going to do it. Well, how are you going to figure out a God that can do above and beyond what you can even dare ask or think beyond your highest prayers, thoughts, hopes, or dreams in Ephesians 3.20? How are you going to know your future when God actually knows your future better than you know your past? Come on, how are you going to do this when God's already planned your life out in Ephesians chapter 2 where he says, I preordained you to good works which I prearranged and made ready for you to live. Living the good life. I'm telling you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to get involved and acknowledge and let him reset you and recalibrate you and even recalculate you. He will get you back on track, and you say, well, I don't know how this happens. Listen, I can't even figure out how black cows eat green grass and give white milk, and I even watch a special on TV on it. I just said, you know what? Let the cow do its job, and I'll bring the Oreo cookies, and when they come together, it'll be a wonderful event. Amen? Amen. Supernatural. Do you know in John chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, when Mary said to the servants, what do he, uh, what he, whatever he says unto you, just do it. Because right. if you don't do it, the Bible says you're deceiving your own selves. And when you're deceived, you don't know it. And if you don't think you can be, you already are. The first thing you know, you're off track. Right. My brother taught me how to do the ro- uh, uh, roller tiller. I think he did. He was a lot older than I was, 20-some years older. And he said, uh, just put it in there and go. Well, he just wanted to have fun because it looked like a kangaroo on caffeine going around there in the yard. <laughs> he said, Todd, just lean back and let it get a bite. And as soon as I started going and, and, and going in a straight line, I thought, okay, I'm doing pretty good. I turned around. The moment I turned around, my row went crooked. What did Paul say? Brethren, I kept myself not to know anything but one thing, forgetting those things which are before and pressed towards to those things before. before. Come on. That's good. You know, unfortunately, most people in life, all they do is look out of the windshield of life instead of the rearview mirror. I mean, the rearview mirror instead of the windshield. Right. You know, there's two pieces of glass in front of you. One's small, one's big. Right. And they're made in that proportion because you should be looking out going forwards a lot more than you go backwards. But unfortunately, in life, if you listen to people talk long enough, the only thing they're doing is they're looking in the past and it's becoming their future. If God can frame the world by the words of his mouth, then you frame your world by the words of your mouth. I keep speaking blessings ahead of me. I'm like the people in in South America. When the river's up high, they throw their seed. They don't eat it. They throw their seed upon the water and at a certain time. And when they and then when they migrate back down to the river, the 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 water recedes back down so far that their seeds have already been planted and is starting to come up in the rich river banks that they sowed by faith for their future. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Listen, God's waiting for you to come into people's lives. You say, well, Lord, why, why am I not getting my needs met? Because you're not on course. Because you got to, listen, if you're a spectator, then you got to take care of all this stuff yourself. You got to go get your own drinks. If you fall hurt your knee, you got to go to urgent care yourself. But if you're in the race, everything's provided for you. Hallelujah. James, chap, James chapter 1, look at one for the right. James, the servant of God and our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. You know, I've read over that many times, but then one day I thought, why did they get scattered abroad? Because they had to be together at once. I found out there was three things that scattered them abroad, and it's the same thing the devil uses in marriages, churches, relationships, and everything. The same thing. You know what they are? Persecution, hardship, and affliction. Persecution, hardship, and affliction. Verse 2, my brethren... If this is you, you should put your name here. Count it all joy. I'm going to do this for Pastor Jared. 
when Oklahoma State University football wins the national championship. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, wouldn't that be great? Oh, you got one of those OSU editions. And for all of you, all, you know, I grew up in, I, I, I lived six years in Tulsa, so, you know, I, I never really got involved with the, uh, what's that called, Bedlam or whatever. We, we just, we always went to the toilet bowl. So, no, I'm just saying, no. no. My brethren, this is talking about Christians. My brethren, okay, Oklahoma University, I, I have to be equal opportunity here, amen. My brethren, some people give me looks like, no. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diver temptations. Now, that sounds like a contradiction of terms. You know, I looked up this word fall, and you know what it actually means in the study? It means the devil wants to come in your life and literally knock your feet completely out from under you that you may fall face first or headlong into an open pit or hole. That's what it actually means. That word fall means the devil wants to come in your life, knock your feet completely out from under you, that you may fall face first or uh, head first into an open pit or hole. He doesn't even want you in the race. He right. wants to right. knock you out of the race. Right. He wants you to miss the mark. Right. But what did it say in John chapter 2 that I didn't finish earlier? Mary said unto the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Right. Do you know from the drawing to the serving, there's two sentences in the, in the Amplified, there's two words, drawing and serving. Do you know from the drawing to the serving, the water turned into what? Wine. This, watch this. The natural had the super put up on it. See, we're always waiting on God to say, God, I'm just, I, where, where are you? He said, well, I live inside of you. Yes. Yes. But he yeah. said, in my name, you go out and do these things. Yeah. Come on, think yeah. about yeah. it. Right. He, he's given you authority to do these things, and you're to go out and do it. And then he says, when you give me your natural, then I'll put the super up on it. Right. You know what the Lord told me? It's been about four years ago or five. But let me just say this to you. There's a lot of things coming to me. I was sitting there one day in my office, and I had just eaten with some people earlier, and, and I don't know, it might have been a week or two or a month or whatever, and, and you know, it's some pre predominant ministers, and I'm not here to drop names or say, you know, I've arrived. I'm not saying that by no means. I found that the greatest among you must be servant of all. Right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right. Hey, you, you, ever, you remember Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. Amen? Right. So a lot of times people say, well, I don't know big ministry. They say, well, then you're going to have big bills and big problems. and big right. <laughs> you, if, God, if God guides, he provides. If he don't, he probably won't. That's what I say. Yeah. But I was eating with a bunch of ministers, and I was sitting there going, my Lord, they know more about the Greek than I know about English. Yeah. Yeah. Man, they know more about this. I mean, I mean, just you start feeling so inadequate. You say, well, why am I even in the ministry, Lord? I, I feel like I'm not reaching nobody compared to them. I feel like they just preach circles around me and all this. You know, it goes right back to the treadmill thing. You stay on your treadmill, you run your race, let them run theirs. But here's what the Lord spoke to me, and I believe it was word for word, and I'll never forget it. He said, I am not interested. I was in my office after I did my spill. I kind of got quiet and sat there, and I heard this. He said, I am not interested in your ability as much as your availability. Yes. 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 He says, you may not be the best at doing something, but that should never hold you back from giving your best to do it. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? He said, I am not interested in your ability as much as your availability. Because right. it's not by your grace or ability, it's by God's grace. Your sufficiency in your grace or ability is not sufficient enough. Right. But God's grace is always sufficient. What's grace? It's His ability. You're saved by His ability through your confidence and trust in that ability. That's called by grace through faith. Right. So when I realized that I wasn't, 
I don't have to be the best. I just need to give my best. Listen, I know, listen to Pastor Orville, and I have not had the chance to listen to Pastor Jerry or a different one. I know I'm not the best minister you ever heard. That doesn't bother me anymore. But I know today I'm going to give you my best. And when I leave, I know that I did what I was supposed to do for that moment on the treadmill in front of you. Because why? I'm going to stay on course. And when I leave and catch an airplane this evening, then guess what? Our lives cross just then. But I'm still going to be part of the body. You're still going to be part of the body. But actions produce reactions. And what I do to one person affects another, affects another, affects another, affects another, affects another. They said almost, one guy told me every seven people on on earth know each other or something like that. I said, well, how do you know that? He said, well, you know me, don't you? I said, well, yeah, I just hired you for the job because I was managing uh, a store in Tulsa, Broken Arrow. He said, well, I'm dating a girl. Uh, right now I said okay that's two he said well she's the disc jockey he's the disc jockey on the local 700 or 740 or whatever I said okay it's three he said well he knows the uh, mayor I said all right it's four he said he knows the governor and the governor knows the president and who in the world doesn't know the president of the United States I started thinking wow what I do to affect one person may end up affecting somebody else down the road are y'all hear what I'm saying so let's look at this real quick. I'm, I'm actually preaching probably the end of my, uh, middle of my sermon. And I'm on, when I get up caught through this, then I'll be almost done. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, thank the Lord, I'm getting hungry. Well, just pray and fast a little bit longer, amen? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I run into a lot of people, so I don't know if I could do that. How do I do this? How, what do I do? What can I do? How can I do these things? What, I know what you're saying is true, but how, 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 how? Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, <laughs> let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like whether the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think, he shall receive anything of the Lord, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Or one translation says, in everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Always remember your decisions determine your directions, but your directions establish your destinies. So when you make a wrong decision, it's going to get you off course and cause you to go the wrong direction. But if you take time to listen to the GPS inside of you called the Holy Spirit, he will recalculate you and bring you right back where you need to go. Listen, one of the things I noticed that when people, when I travel is this, a lot of people are living in regret today. Oh, I should have done that. I should have done that. I said, quit looking out of the rearview mirror of life and start looking out the windshield. Right now look over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, um, yeah. The second epistle, beloved, and I write unto you, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know, I noticed the one thing is this, especially in this passage, there's like five times the word remembrance in different passages even in Hebrews 2, 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, there, it's amazing that he says, I'm here to remind you, you've let these things slip. Uh, if you don't do them, then all my preaching was in vain. Keep remembering, keep remembering, keep remembering. How many know faith doesn't come by having heard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if the pastors get up here or somebody starts ministering on something you heard, don't sit down there and just, you know, pretend like you're taking notes and you're actually writing your grocery list out. Or you're sitting there looking like you're looking at the scriptures, but you're actually checking Facebook. I've been there. I've done it. I'm going to confess. But the Lord dealt me and said, you, you've heard this, but you are not hearing it. 
You know, Jesus himself stopped once and said, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. That's Jesus. He said, a lot of people are hearing me, but they're not listening to me. Now watch this. That you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first. Listen, I know you read a lot of prophecy books, but here's the best one. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts, saying, where's the promises coming? For since the forefathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's going to be a lot of naysayers out there. There's a lot of mockers, a lot of people doing this. There's going to be people that's not going to be, they're going to be lovers of self. There's going to be a lot of things going to happen in the earth. It's not going to be, there's going to be people calling bad things good and good things bad. But you better make sure your GPS is turned on and has power and that you're listening to it and allowing it because I'm telling you, he'll lead you and guide you through all these situations, all through the storms, all the things. He said, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. You know what? There's only one thing that will separate you from the love of God, and that's your choice. That's right. you. Right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Love yes. never yes. fails. Because yes. why? Because love is God and God is love. Right. Now, I'm going to give you two people and a couple of scriptures we're going to close. There's two people that I want to minister today on that God used to show us how to stay on course to finish our course. Of course, the first one and the best one is Jesus, and the second one is the Apostle Paul. Jesus, actually, there was a lot of things that he did, but I want to show you four things that Jesus did real quick, how they literally overlapped, that he was doing so many things at one time that would just... The Bible says if all could be written about what Jesus did, the books of the world could not contain it. The first thing he had to do was what? He had to come and humble himself and be a man and, and fulfill what the first Adam did. He had to fulfill what the first Adam messed up. The second thing he did was he come in and set an example. And the third thing he did that I know, I'm, I'm giving you three right now. The third thing that he did was to come and fulfill the old covenant. Now, one thing it is you've got to remember is Jesus didn't do away with the old covenant. He fulfilled it to establish a better new covenant. We're not under the law, we're under grace. And there's a big thing about grace going on right now, different things like that. People say, well, you know, I'm, 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 I don't need to confess, I don't need to give, I don't need, I'm under grace, Jesus has done it all. Then why do you say that God has not mocked whatever man sows? If God's done it all, then why he's talking about man? Why do you say about confession, you have what you say? Right. See, let me give you a real quick teaching on grace. Ephesians 2.8 says you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. There was not any work that you could do to get God's grace to save you. That's what that means, period. Grace is God's ability. Faith is confidence and trust and ability. But two verses later says, but you've been his workmanship. You're God's workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that you may do those good works. That's right. Amen. That you were preordained to do. So what happens there? Those works you do by grace. Grace empowers you to do the works that he's called you to do because works produce fruits. Works are actions. Fruits are results of the actions. That's why he says you shall know them by their fruit and your fruit shall remain. But how do you get fruit to come? Is you do works. I don't go out to do something to earn it. If I put money in your account, you don't have to work for that or purchase that money. It's already in your account. You've got to learn to access it. How? Romans 5, 2. I access the grace of God through faith. So there's a difference between accessing and purchasing. You cannot purchase grace to get saved. It's impossible. That's why it's not of works. But 
The grace that you now got, that when you got saved, you got a measure of faith with that that empowers you to do the works that he's called you to do to produce the fruits that he may be lifted up so he can draw all men unto himself. That's that little nugget there. Let me give you this real quick. And I know it's almost time to go eat. The first Adam. Two Adams and two gardens. Did you all know that? If you take a note, Romans 5, verse 15 through 20 in the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 through 48. Talk about two Adams and two gardens. The first Adam, one scripture says, from the earth, earthly. You remember in Genesis 1, it says, let us. What's us? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us create men in our image and after our likeness. Now, I don't know if he breathed oxygen into Adam that day or not, but I know he put something in him called spirit. That's a substance that he put in him, and everybody has that. But when Adam sinned, now, Eve did not mess up. Eve was deceived, but Adam's eyes were wide open, and he chose by an act of his will to disobey God. And from that moment on, there was a poison bloodline. How do I know that? Well, centuries later, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote to Romans and said in Romans 3.23, all. How does all include? It includes all. Listen, when I go over all these countries and everything, I don't preach. Listen, I don't preach down on the darkness. I preach up on the light. Because light exposes darkness. The definition of darkness is the absence of light. I, don't, I go over and show them how great God is, not how bad their God is. Because I already know their God is under a poison bloodline. That's why you must be born again. So Paul wrote, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What did he say? All have sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. Well, the first Adam, when he sinned, it said unrighteousness came. And through his act of transgression, many were made unrighteous. That's why we were born sinners, and that's why we must be born again. I was sharing with them some things last night. I said, you know, I was born again April 28, 1974. But the Lord started showing me that I was actually born again 2,000 years ago up on the cross because he's already given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But what I did was I heard salvation. In the Russell First Christian Church, O.M. Pokey Miller, him and his wife, wonderful ministers. I was a shy little backwards boy, 11 or 12 years old in the balcony in front of 500 people. I had a plaid suit jacket on, one of those that went all the way around, zipped all the way up in the front. I had matching pants all the way down. Blue, it, 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 blue dark blue checks, light blue checks, and a mix of white in it. I had white shoes that had heels on them like this, in the front. I'm not kidding you, the backs were like that. I weighed about 118 pounds, and I walked down in front of all those people because something got a hold of me. When I heard, I believed, I confessed. April 28, 1974, I started living in the benefits of something that was already provided for me. God has called you to do a race. Don't look at your resume. Don't look at your ability. Don't look at what side of the tracks you're on, your level of education. Don't look in the mirror and see your self-image. See the God image that who is in you is greater than he's in the world. And start realizing through Christ which strengthens you, you can do all things. I don't care what age you are. You could be 75 or 5. It doesn't matter. You still are running a race. And there's some people, some, somebody said one day, they said, why do you hang around a lot of older people, older ministers? I said, I can't buy them in bookstores. I said, they know more about a lot of things in life. It's going to save me five or ten years. There's a minister that just passed away at 98 years old a, a, a while back, 
and he started his ministry May 7th, 1937, built his church in, in uh, uh, 1958 and stepped down on it after 50 or 60 years, I forget. His wife and him had been married for I don't know how many years. She graduated from Amy Simple McPherson's Bible School in 1932. Wow. And I just hang out with them. And I found out later a lot of my family, at one time we counted, we had 18 ministers in our family, I think. I'm one of 11. I'm the only one out of 11 in my family. But what I'm saying is one man came and preached the gospel around 1937, 1938. Think about that. What if he decided he didn't want to run his race? Think about all the people he affected. Come on. Yes. Now I forgot what I was going to say. I know it was good, but I'll go on. Amen. <laughs> but think about this. Let's recalculate here. The first Adam from the earth earthly. The Bible says the second Adam came from heaven above. He was spiritual. In one garden he obeyed God, the other one in the other garden disobeyed God. Instead of saying never mind, he said nevertheless. Are you all hear what I'm saying? We know Adam eventually died. But Jesus said, Father, take, he said, can, can you just take his cup from me? He was just saying, Lord, you know, and the Lord just came back to him. He said, son, this is the only way. And Jesus, listen, he didn't commit a sin. He was made to be sin. And he hung on a cross between heaven and earth. You know what grace is? Grace is when God comes down and reaches one, with one hand. And faith is when man reaches up with the other hand to grab God. And Jesus is the one that's holding us together. Now watch this. The obedience of this, many were made righteous, the Bible says. So when I accept Jesus as my perfect substitute and my Savior and my Lord, I go from one bloodline into a new bloodline. I'm born again. Right. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. But how did this start, all start? There was a young virgin Jewish girl that didn't understand it. The angel explained to her that she was going to bear forth a son. Now, she might have been the third or fourth uh, young lady the angel came to, but we do know she was the first to say, Be it unto me. According to your word. Do you know Mary was not pregnant with the seed of man under the first Adam? She was pregnant with the seed of God. Hallelujah. And we know in John 1, 13, verse 14, it says, And the word become flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld the glory. Over here we've fallen short of the glory. Here we beheld the glory, full of grace and truth. Isn't it amazing when Jesus come to also set an example in 1 Peter that we should walk after it? The examples must be attainable in order to be examples. People go, I can never do what Jesus did. I said, I agree, you can do greater works than these. Because he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you a GPS, a comforter, a teacher, a guide, an intercessor, a standby. I'm not going to put him up on you. I'm going to put him inside of you. And if you listen to him, he'll lead you and guide you all truth. Amen. What was the other thing that Jesus did? Well, when Jesus come, he come to all fulfill the old covenant. If you, could you put up Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, please? I'm going to show you something. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Have the same attitude in yourself which was in Christ Jesus. Look unto him as your example of selfless humility. Who although being, uh, this might be the different amplified, but it says this, in extended form of unchanging essence of God is one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of the deity, did not regard himself equal with God to be a thing to eagerly grasp and assert it or obtain, one translation says, and did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. Now look at the next one. But he emptied himself with announcing and diminishing his deity 
but only temporary, giving up his outward expression of divine equity, equi- I can't pronounce it, equality, and his rightful dignity, as assumed the form of a bond slave and been made in the likeness of men. One translation, there's two amplified translations. One says, and he was born a human being. Now watch this. He became completely human, but without sin, being fully God and fully man. Look at verse 8. And after he was found in the terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divine appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of the death, even the death of the cross. When Jesus was hung on the cross, he didn't commit sin. He was made to be sin. And you know what he did? He was crossing every T and dotting every I, as well as setting the example, fulfilling what the first Adam messed up, becoming the second Adam. How do I know that? I'll show you one of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundred things that Jesus fulfilled in the Old Covenant so he could fulfill it to establish a better and new covenant. Look at Exodus chapter 3, please, verse 13 through 15. Then Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now watch this. And then God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15. Then God also said to Moses, this is what you shall say to the Israelites or the people at Elm Grove Community Church. Watch this. The Lord, the God of your fathers. Well, in the surrounding area. And the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my what? Name forever. And this is... My memorial to what? Or my name to what? All generations. Are we part of one of those generations? You know what Jesus did when he walked around? He was crossing every T and dotting every I, fulfilling the old covenant. Why? Because that was one of his courses. Anytime anybody tried to get him off course, he would rebuke him. He didn't care if it was Apostle Peter coming up trying to get him to go back under the law. And he said, Satan, get thee behind me. But then a, a woman caught in the act of adultery came up to him. And he accepted her in. Started writing in the sand. He looked up and said, where's your accuser? She said, I have none, Lord. Listen, listen how he, watch this. Here's the GPS coming. He looked at her and said, go and sin no more. He come to save the world, not to condemn it. He come to give us life and it more abundantly. The devil comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. You overcome evil by doing Good, that's the action producing the reaction. When I'm letting my light shine before men, they see my good works. But they glorify my Father in heaven. I asked the Lord one day, I said, how's that possible? They see my works, but they glorify you. He said, because it's not you that liveth, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's when you go from learning to witness to becoming a witness. Instead of telling people who you are and got, where you go to, uh, what, what you got and where you go to church, they start telling you who you are. And what you have, and then they follow you to church. Why? Because when you're lifting him up in your life, I like what one person said let your actions speak so loud they don't hear what you say. I have people come up to me and say, I don't know you, but I know you're a minister, or I know you're a Christian. And and I thought, well, I'm not dressed in a suit. I said, How do you know that? They said, I I just can tell. I mean, you know, it's not me. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We live in a world that we need to start standing up and learning to say no without feeling guilty about it. We need to start setting limits to what people can do to us. People come up and say, well, yeah, but that's not politically correct. I say, well, I'm sorry you're living at such a low standard. I'd rather please God. In my ways, please God. He'll even make my enemies to be at peace with me. 
You know what Jesus did? He humbled himself. He was sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. He took off the robe of the Son of God. He was born in a womb of a virgin young girl. He was born in a manger. He, uh, a manger. he lived among us. He walked around. And isn't it amazing? They kept asking him, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Right. He, he never said, come on. It would have been funny if you could find this in one of the records. Come on, you know who I am. I grew up with you down here on 3rd and Jericho. We used to play out in the street together. He didn't do that. Every time Jesus was asked about his identity, he was referring back to Exodus chapter 3 because it was one of the many hundreds of hundreds of hundred things. He had to cross every T and dot every I to fulfill. You know what that was? They got up and they said this. He was such on course and he was so focused. He had his face set as flint. He was doing the master's business. Even when he was a young age, they said, where are you being? He said, I must be about my father's business. And they got up there and they was doing all these different things. And guess what happened? They said, well, who are you then? You speak like no other man speaks. You speak with one having authority. And what did he always prerequisite? Every identification of who he was with. I am the light. I am the door. I am he who was dead, but now alive. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. He said, I am that I am. And he said this. If you've, he said, I only do what I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. Why? Because he was walking on course. I think I'm not going to I know how to fix it. Hold on. What was the last word that Jesus uttered before he went to hell? The last word of that is what? Finish. It is finished. I don't know about you, but I believe Jesus finished his course. You want me to tell you why? Mark 16. He said, now my name, you go out and do these things. He said, I've already done it. I set an example. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit as your GPS, your comforter, your teacher, your guide, your intercessor. I've already fulfilled what the first Adam didn't. I've set an example, and I've fulfilled the old covenant and did all these other things. Now, I came down and humbled myself and become a human being. I was attempted in all like manners without sinning. Yet I was made sin. I didn't commit sin. I was made to be sin so that you may be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now I'm going to take off the robe of the Son of Man and put on the robe of the Son of God now and make intercession for you day and night. Hallelujah. Now one more, and this will be short. Apostle Paul. When I was studying Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3 says, Paul said, I press what? I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you all have this or not, but I had two of them. This is the one I really like because it's easier for me to read. Amen? And you can tell I've kind of worn it out, and I mark on it, and I put... I, when I see a date of something that happened, I turn around, and I know I'm supposed to subtract like five years off that date because that's Paul's age. And I was just reading these, and I noticed there's over 300 different events that happened in Paul's life, and they had to be actually synchronized just right. Do you know if Paul didn't do this one right here, then he would have been off track and wouldn't have hit this. But Paul said, I pressed towards the what? Mark. You know, I found out these were not events. These are marks. Paul had over 300 marks that he had to hit in his life in order to finish his course. And how many knows that in his life, what he said, I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished my faith. I mean, finished my course with joy. But one thing I want to bring out to you is this. One, one situation here. You know, when Paul, I found this out, Paul was 29 years old when he had to road to Damascus experience. He's out killing Christians and doing all this, thought he was doing the Lord's work and all these different things. But you know what happened? 
the Lord came and knocked him off the high horse. And he sat there and he was like, well, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecuteth. He began to prophesy to him. You're going to stand before kings for my namesake and you're going to suffer great things for my namesake. Well, how many knows Paul in his travels, he was beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead in stocks and chains. Some of the worst conditions he ever was at wrote some of the most inspired by the Holy Spirit epistles we read to this day. Come on. It's amazing. Paul was preaching about different things when he was in the inner prison, but the inner prison never got in him. There was one time in Acts chapter 26. We don't read verse 1 and 2. We kind of skip over it. I used to do it a lot too. But down through Acts 26, you can see the story that took place with King Agrippa and Paul. He said, King King Agrippa said, Paul, you're permitted to speak. He said, I appreciate it. He said, but before I speak, he said something to him. But we know what the conversation is all down through that. At the end, a famous phrase where King Agrippa says, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be what? A Christian. But what did he say at the very beginning? If you allow me to paraphrase it. Oh, King, nobody else is going to understand about what I'm going to say but me and God. Because there was a time that Paul thought he missed the mark. Probably on a couple situations. One time he was going to give up because he felt like he couldn't go on anymore. And what did the Lord say? My grace yes. is sufficient. Yes. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Yes. I'm sorry I'm messing this up again. I didn't get it clicked just right. Now watch this. He got up. Yeah, my ears are smaller. No. I, 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 my dad, that's what Sherry said. I shouldn't have said that. I, I love this dear man. He's one of my very few unpaid friends I have left. Amen. You, you know, when we were in Oral Roberts' li- uh, living room, his ears were so big, it reminded me of my dad and my uncle's ears. And you know what they called their ears growing up? Mule ears. Yours is small compared to them. They, their ears were so big, it looked like they had actually two area codes in it. I mean, they just... And Oral Roberts had those big ears, too. I don't know if y'all remember that or not. Amen? So, no, no, no fret. Well, what happened was I forgot, to, I forgot to click it back here good enough, and it fell off, so it keeps pulling it down. Let me just say this and, and, and finish this up. Paul got to the place where he finally said, O king, nobody's going to understand this but me and God. He said, today I think myself happy. Why? He was in stocks and chains. He'd been in prison for a while. One account gave 250 soldiers, another said 350, rounded off to about 300. The Apostle Paul is now 25 years later, he's 54 years old. The road to Damascus experience is 25 years in the past, but the prophecy is just as real as it was then, today. He got up there, he looked up, and he'd seen a king. He went, I hit a mark. To him it might have been number 37. Because he was looking, he had to look at the whole page. Some of you are going to be asked to do things out of your comfort zone. Some of you say, I I, I want my kids are raised, or I'm, you know, I don't have no kids. The Lord say, I want you to go on a youth trip, or I want you to help with vacation Bible school this year. I want you to go out and do the outreach. I want you to volunteer and do something. He said, well, Lord, I'm not qualified. You know, I wasn't qualified either when we did children's church. We had 50 to 67, we had 50 to 66-year-olds show up every Sunday morning at the church I attended. And you know what? In two weeks, I was qualified. You know why? 
because I kept showing up. I got to the place where I was managing two or three subways and I was doing children's church on, on Saturday night practice and doing children's church. We would start at 8, 8.30 in the morning because we had to be there for the volunteers to drop their kids off. And when the minister got done, we had to wait after all the their other volunteers got done. So we might be there four or five hours just on a Sunday morning. And I was already working almost 60 hours a week. I got to the place where I said, Lord, if this is what my course is, this is what you want me to do the rest of my life, just because you came and died for me and gave me a quality Bible education and allowed me to be used in the ministry for your work to affect kids to go out throughout the world, I will stay here the rest of my life. And you know the Lord ministered me and said, now you're ready. See, it's one thing about being obedient. It's another thing to be willing. Obedience is an act of conduct. Willingness is a submission of the heart. Not my will, but your will be done. I'm not in it for it to build a resume. I'm not here to impress people. I'm here to get everybody on track because your life is going to affect me eventually through somebody that you reach, whether we know them or not, individually. And the same with my life affecting yours down the road. Right. I mean, what's the odds of two guys that travel the world run into each other and we're the only two, the only two customers at the entire Oklahoma City car rental place? Look on my Facebook. We took a picture of each other. I was going to tell everybody I took a selfie, but he got in the way. <laughs> Listen, Paul got to the end of his life. When he hit 99, he hit 100. And the Lord basically gave him a choice. You can go on home or you can stay here a little longer. I'm glad he stayed a little bit longer. Yes. Yes. I want to read something right before service. I, I, it's just popped in my mind. I want to read this. This is how important it is for you all to run your race. Get involved in your local church. Do something. Listen, I'm not against people giving money and helping, but listen, kids and youth and other people don't need your money as much as they need you. Right. Actually, they need both. Right on. Mm -hmm. And I, I've learned this the hard way. People don't care how much you know until they really know how much you care. Exactly. Exactly. Jesus made contact with 132 people in the epistles, uh, in the Gospels. Jesus made contact with 132 people in the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 132. Six of those were in the temple and four were in the synagogue. The other 122 were made in contacts, were in the made in the field of your everyday life. 122 out of 132 were made outside the walls. In your job, going to school, come on. When I drop my little boy off, we always say we love each other, and this is what I say to him. Son, always remember, no matter what anybody else does today, you still can choose to be happy. Yes. I yes. said, you have the power of choice right now. I said, yes. you can choose to be happy. Amen. And there's days he goes, I chose to be happy today. Right. And the day he comes home, he goes, I'm just sad, Dad. I tried. I said, well, let's just recalculate. Because yeah. this is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to choose. To rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, you know what? I found out my happiness is not as for me as much as it is for somebody else. Exactly. Why? Because what he's trying to get to me and through me is not always for me. Right. It's usually for the people around me. Right. I have people come up sometimes and say, well, I have no friends. I said, well, that's your fault. <laughs> I do. I, and they said, well, see, you don't even like me. <laughs> I said, no, what you're doing is totally unscriptural. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think, he who shows himself friendly makes friends. Let me read this, and I'm going to close. You ever heard the thing where it says, if anyone wishes to come after me, it must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me? Right. If you lose your life, you'll find it. Yes. 
I've always wondered about, okay, what is that? Okay, I get the idea, but what does that really mean? I found, I found a scripture that really just helped me. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. This is a different translation. It says, if you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, then you don't deserve me. It says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But the moment you forget about yourself and look to me is the moment you find both yourself and me. You want me to say it again? If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, then you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. I can tell you this, that a lot of people today don't have an opinion. Or they go by public opinion because they don't have an opinion for themselves. They don't choose. And you can't base your life upon everybody's opinion or whatever it might be. All I want you to do is this. If you mess up, I want you to ask God to help you by His Spirit to take out the eraser and go back to the number that you left off and let Him restore and recalculate everything because He can restore the years. I don't know how He does it. Get back on track. Become a participant. Let Him refresh you in a way that you'll never be refreshed in the natural. And I'm telling you, People go, well, why do I have to do this even when I'm almost close to retirement or I'm at the end of my life? Why do I need to do this when I'm young and all of this? i got so much to do. i got to get my education. No, every day you can take up your cross. Yes. You want me to tell you why? Because it's important for the final outcome of the picture. Yes. There's one thing I'm waiting to hear. Two years ago, I was in the desert between Cairo and Alexandria, Egypt. It was cold that night. I remember I was looking up. I was missing my wife and my son. And the Lord reminded me of the words or the thing I told him one time. And he said this. He just reminded me. He said, you know, if I send my son from heaven to earth, surely I can send you from Colorado to Egypt. And he said, do you remember what you said? I, I really believe he brought it to my remembrance. I'm striving for one thing. You know what it is? It's when I hit 100, I want to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Yes. That's the expected end I'm looking for. That's the good success in my final outcome. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're born again. You know, there's people I run into that are so knowledgeable about the Word of God, but they're not even born again. They say, well, I study all religions. That's when I really want to get an orange and hand it to them and say, can you peel this? And they say, what do you mean? I said, just peel it and section it, and then I eat it. You know, they got the orange seeds and the peelings and the stains and even a seed or two in their hand. I said, well, first of all, thanks for peeling my orange and section it. But I have a question for you. This is what I would really like to do to people like this. What's the question? I said, was that a sweet orange or a sour orange? And they go, how would I know? I never tasted it. I said, you got all the evidence right in front of you. You've peeled it. You dissected it. You sectioned it. You can smell it. You can sense it. They said, but I never tasted it. I said, then how can you tell me my God's not real and he doesn't heal and he doesn't love me? He doesn't deliver and meet my needs and he'll never leave me or forsake me if you've never tasted him for yourself. Then there's some people, I've had one guy take me off to the side, I honestly thought he committed a crime. I thought, honestly, I thought I was going to have to fly back and be a witness because I thought he killed somebody maybe. He said, i got to talk to you, brother. We used to altar call. He said, I really just got to tell you this in private. I need to tell you something. He said, I said, what? He said, I'm a backslider. I said, well, slide back. 
It's not really hard. Come on. If you're a backslider, slide back. But some of you are maybe spectators. Maybe some of you may need to recalculate. All you know is, I know I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. But I need to recommit my life to God today. I, make, I need to make a decisive dedication of my body and my will today to get back in the race for God. I've been, doing, I've been so busy, I've ended up accomplishing nothing. But I found out some people like to be busy because it becomes a great place to hide and they have a legitimate excuse in their mind. So if you've never been born again, you're a backslider, or you just want to make a recommitment today, I'm going to count to three, nothing magical, but I know we went over a little bit. When I hit my hands together, if you look around, you're not going to do it, I can tell you that, because you're going to be a spectator, because you're going to see what everybody else is going to do instead of what you know you need to do. But what will people think? Can I tell you something? They're going to talk about you whether you do it or not. You might as well do it and have fun. Get on your treadmill. Let everybody else run their race. Come on. Yes. Now, there's times people get next to me, and I can do a lot more minutes because we start talking, but I'm focused on what I'm doing, but they're helping me along yes. the course. Yes. So I'm going to do it one time, maybe, two. If you've never been born again, you're a backslider, or you need to make a recommitment to God. You already know. Don't hesitate. It's like hitting your thumb with a hammer. You don't stop. You just grab it. You do it without thinking about it. You already know what you need to do. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you in here today. You say, you know what? I need to recalculate today. I need to make a commitment to do God's will because when I take care of his business, he's going to take care of my business. You might be a backslider. Slide back today. If you need to get, accept the Lord, then you need to come and eat the orange for the first time instead of pilling it. One more time. We had a couple hands go up. Ready? Don't look around. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now. Come on down. Pretend like it's the price is right. Come on down. Don't think about it. There was other hands. Come on. Now look to your right and look to your left. Do this. I want you to look at somebody. I don't want you to nod and smile and just go, how you doing? I want you to look at them and say, do you want to go down? I'll walk down with you. Look to your right and left. Say, do you want to go down? If you need to go down, I'll walk with you. We did this in Farmington, New Mexico a while back. Thirteen more people came down. People are like, I don't know, who, I don't know who's on my right and my left. Here, stand right over here and face me, please. Okay, there was more hands than that, wasn't it? Who else? Come on, come on down here. You say, you know what? I've been doing my own thing. I've just been a spectator for so long. I haven't got involved in anything. I've been going through the motions. I come home, watch my favorite shows, go get my favorite meal. I go to bed, I wake up, I go to church, I come home, go do this, do this. The only time I really seek God or do this or do that or get real serious about God is when something bad happens. Listen, God will give you wisdom. He will give you the truth. He'll give you everything you need in your life. The thing is, is God's not looking at your ability. He wants your availability. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you one more time to stand up without thinking about it. Just like hitting your hammer, thumb with a hammer. You just respond because you know that's what you're supposed to do. If that's you, I want you to stand up one more time right now. Ready? One, two, three. Stand up if that's you and come down here. Listen, you made my day. I don't like leaving my wife and son, but God gives me the grace. I love, this is my favorite part of everything, is when God comes and gets somebody's life back on track. I don't know if you need to be born again, you're a backslider, or you just need to make a recommitment. All I know is this. I want you to think about this. Think about your favorite actor or actress or athlete or person that you admire in the world right now. 
What if they were about ready to stand up in front of two billion people and stop and said, listen, before I go on and say anything, there's a friend of mine in Oklahoma, and they call you out by name and say, I want them to know I'm thinking of you today, and I appreciate you in my life. My Lord, your Twitter account would explode if, even if you didn't have Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, your phone, text messages, everybody. Did you? Why? You think, wow, I feel so important. One day the Lord showed me this. He says, when you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. I'm telling you, I started crying. I thought, my God in heaven, he says your name. Think about it. Your name is about ready to be released from the lips of Jesus into God's presence. Think about that. That's what the Bible says. And God's going to acknowledge it and basically say, everything I've said for them, when they acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge them. I'll take care of them. And you say, well, how in the world? Well, they do call him God for a reason. Amen.